Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Why don't you sing it, Chad? Oh, no, I'm too cool, dude. I'm dancing weddings on I'm shoe shopping. I'm letting you guys have some fun with it. Chad Brown. I'm letting you guys have fun. Why don't you have fun with us, man? I'm, I'm enjoying the songbird of our generation, Orlando. <laughs> I wish. You know, there are people who tune in, Orlando, just to hear you sing. On Fridays. This is the thing. They click off. That's the cap of my week, guys. Half of my week. All things get easier from here. Right? The next couple days. That means you reached, reached the end of the week. So congratulations to all of you out there reaching a... Reaching the Friday in this uh, hot middle of the sun, middle of the summer week, July 14th. It is July 14th, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so NFL season's upon us again, guys. Hope you had a nice little break from football. We were treated to a Nuggets championship run, and now we're back at it. The rookies are reporting next week, and the veterans report the week after that. Training camp starts in about, practice is starting in about two weeks. And last year was a failure on all fronts, mostly because the head coach you hired, to be the new culture shifter, didn't make it through the season, which was crazy. He got fired in the middle of the season. Didn't even get one season to figure it out. Um, The idea was that he was going to come in here and run the wide zone running game. We didn't really see that. Sometimes we did. Sometimes we didn't. There was a lack of consistency in the play calling and the designs. Uh, Latavius Murray was your leading rusher with 700 yards rushing. Melvin Gordon was number two with 318 yards. You, you, you juxtapose that with the previous season. Both Melvin and Javante were above 900 yards rushing. So either way you slice it, Pat Shermer's offense was better than Nathaniel Hackett's offense, at least on the ground. Um, also last last year in 15 games as a starter, Russell Wilson was sacked 55 times. That's a problem. That's a problem. Um, and the passing game wasn't really good either. They were last in the league in points scored and a variety of other bad metrics. Orlando, I, I want to know, if, what is offensive line? Like, this new offensive line is revamped. Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey, big free agent acquisitions, offseason signings, big money, going to be staples of this offensive line. But what is what marks success for this offensive line? What does success look like this year? Is it fewer sacks on Russell Wilson? Is it a... Uh, is it a you know a thousand yard rusher? What is a metric for success we can look at with this offensive line? So a couple things. I think it's um, you when you look at a, a offensive line, it's the combination, right? Uh, where are you able to get you know guys out there where we know it's going to be there's going to be some injuries out there, but you know you don't want to be decimated with injuries, right? So. Are guys able to come back? Are you guys able to, you know, get up there with their start numbers, right? You know, you have 15 starts, right? Can each individual have 15 starts on this offensive line? Because that creates continuity. But when you look at just like the pure football play, I would say a thousand yard rusher. You know, you want a thousand yard rusher. You want to be efficient in the run game when that is uh, four yards plus uh, four point oh to you know higher 
per carry as far as averaging. That's like the standard. And if you could get that, man, you're in pretty good shape. And when you look at the sacks, you know guys are going to give up sacks. It's, it's a part of the game. It's a throwing league, but you want to be in the 30s when it, when you get to that mm-hmm. sack number. So Is that kind of a metric you look, guys looked at? Like, Did you pay, pay attention to the sack numbers in your offensive line room? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, absolutely. And um, if we are if we give up anywhere in the 30s in sacks and we are efficient in the run game at 4.0 yards a carry and we have a 1,000-yard rush, rusher, we're cooking with yes. We had a good year as an offensive line. If, when you have a year like that as an offensive line, do you expect gifts from your running backs? Anytime you, you get a thousand yard rusher, hell yeah, I do. Has it ever happened where they haven't given one and it's like, um, no. you gotta let them know? No, no, no. Uh, Willis McGay uh, gave us Brightland watches uh, that year. And uh, I forgot exactly what, I think Noshan gave us like some sweet like headphones, like. Um, or there might have been iPads. When I was at the Broncos, it was Gift City. <laughs> you get gifts. Of, DT gave us gifts one year. I was just like, thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, so um, definitely some good gifts were given out in that offensive line. Remember, Peyton always took care of us. Well, 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 Sometimes he didn't understand his personnel, though. One year he gave us, like, cowboy boots. <laughs> it was just like, whoa, like, hey, you got to understand your personnel here. Like, but they were pretty sweet. Like, they came in and... Like they were molded to your feet. Like you got, you had to step on this cushion for oh, like for a real? couple minutes. Yeah. Do you think Peyton would come in here to the Players Club and do that for us? I would love uh, a pair of Peyton Manning cowboy boots. Um, probably not, but um, they were they were dope. Do you still wear them? Uh, yeah, I've worn them to uh, a wedding or two, and right when we got them, we all said next away trip we're all wearing them. So we did that thing as a team to synchronize unity. Um, but. It's probably my least worn shoe in my closet for sure. And coincidentally enough, a couple of years later, Philip Rivers did the exact same thing. But Philip did it a little different. Same company and everything. But Phil let us pick out exactly kind of what we wanted. Where Peyton kind of handcuffed, handcuffed us a little bit. And we really... uh Got that cowboy boot, like that, 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 like 15 inches, like up the calf. Like the ones that I got from Phil like, is just right above my ankle. They're pretty sweet. I wear those all the time. And y'all are big boys. Like, how are you getting into those things? Like, is it hard to, was it hard to pull it off? No, um, and they're super comfortable, but yeah, no, not hard at all. And as you could imagine, when you lose over 100 pounds, guys, you just don't lose it from your body. Your feet tend to shrink, too. So Everywhere? My, my did feet are not... Sh- did everything shrink? No. Some places got bigger, actually. Oh. Oh. Um, but um, my feet <laughs> tend to about shrunk a little bit. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, Russell Wilson has been sacked in his career 482 times. Oh. 55 <laughs> times last year. Mm-hmm. Did you play against quarterbacks that were, quote, easy to sack? Yeah. And, and was that because their offensive line was bad or because the, the way they played football made them easy to sack? It could be various reasons. It could be a poor offensive line. It could be a quarterback with no pocket escapability. It could be a quarterback with poor pocket presence. It could be a guy who holds on to the ball too long. Um, so, But once you had it known that this quarterback was easy to sack, just like a running back who fumbles, then every team dials up all their best blitzes. Uh, as a pass rusher, you're in a competition with your buddy on the other side to get to the quarterback first because this guy's quote unquote easy to sack. And typically, once you get one or two, then they start feeling the rush. They start getting their eyes down from the from the from the pass patterns down the field and holding the ball in their chest and having it up to to throw it. So it's a self fulfilling thing once you are quote unquote easy to sack, just like being a running back who fumbles is you know a self fulfilling thing because now they are they're so worried about it. They're no longer just running free. They're, the ball's held awkwardly. You just pop 
pop that thing out. Mm. I remember in 2014 playing for the Broncos. This is my first year playing left guard. And uh, the right tackle position, this was the start, right, of to today of what we know has been a, a roller coaster ride at the right tackle position. But I remember Tomba going against Clady. And, like, Justin Houston had got, like, three sacks in the game. And I remember, like, breaking the huddle and watching Tomba Ali argue with Justin Houston <laughs> about wanting to go against the right tackle. Like, telling him, like, no, dude, you need to switch. Like, let me go over there. Let me go get some as well. I forgot who was the right tackle. And they had finally, like, made the switch. And, like, a couple plays later, uh, and you hear Tomba say, hey, Justin, watch this. Watch this. Like, in the middle of the play, like, like I'm so disrespectful. And, like, Tomba got the sack. Oh, really? I, I I've, I've done that, certainly. <laughs> hey, man, let me, get some, let me get some on the other side, please. Switch it up. Who was the easiest quarterback to sack in your career? Ooh, uh, gosh. Uh, you know, Ryan Leaf. It was oh, pretty wow. easy to sack. Yeah, the wow. Chargers line wasn't very good, and Ryan Lee certainly very wasn't mobile. very good. Yes, no. he wasn't mobile. He wasn't seeing the field well, very well. Good decision maker, way. none of that. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the, the most difficult position on the field, Texture makes a great point here. Nate, you should have been talking about t- tight ends. There's only maybe 10 great tight ends. Everyone else is looking for an upgrade. Aren't there more, more good, great quarterbacks in the league than great tight ends? Wouldn't that say the tight end? Is the hardest job on the field? Mm. Boom. Worth investigating. Boom. No, just, it's boom. Just boom, huh? It's just boom. All right, I want to shift gears from the professional football ranks to the amateur football ranks. Right up the road in Boulder, what are the expectations for CU and Shadur Sanders in 2023? We'll do that next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Some of it is with you. There's a difference. Point, point. Yes. As you point aggressively across the table. Chad Brown. Chad Brown is right. One day he will loosen his tie and cut a rug. (laughs) Get on the mic. Let your hair down. Let your hair down. Well, your alma mater, a lot of eyeballs on him. Chad, probably more eyeballs on your alma mater than ever before, would you say even more so than when you were playing there and actually winning national championships? Uh, more interest in the program? Coach Mack was a pretty national figure as well for different things other than what Coach Prime is. So with his promise keepers and some of his stances on homosexuality and all that stuff, he certainly was a part of CNN and Fox Sports, you know, Fox News coverage and all that stuff back in the day. So Maybe maybe similar, 
Uh, this could be more because there's greater attention now on football paid nationally, but we were certainly a part of the national conversation. We had the fifth down game, which lives in infamy. So there are a number of things from my era of CU football that were part of the national sporting or just had the national conversation. Okay, the very fact that that is debatable, that there are more eyeballs right now on CU's program after it being one of the worst programs in the in the country last year, losing by an average of 29 points per game, really one of the most inept football teams we've seen around here uh, maybe ever, is the fact that that statement is true, that, it, that it's rivaling in anticipation and interest the teams you were on that won a national championship. Does that mean it's already a success? That no matter what happens with this team, no matter how many games they win, no matter how much they lose by, the fact that we're all paying attention now is a win. Yes, uh, it's a win from a CU perspective. They, they're part of the conversation. Coach Prime obviously has increased donations to the to the athletic program, the endowment over there. Uh, the apparel sales are reaching numbers never reached before. The coaching salary was raised by the Board of Regents. So now even if Coach Prime were to move on and this particular move wasn't successful on the field, whenever they bring in the next coach, that guy is going to be paid at a level that is commensurate with his peers in college football. The assistant coaches pool was raised. Uh, the transfer rule, which made it very difficult for the Buffs to compete now with the transfer rules allowing guys to move from school to school. CU and Stanford were two of the more difficult schools to actually transfer into. So it made it hard for the Buffs to participate in that. So these things that were detriments to the program have all been removed to make things easier for Coach Prime. So even at that, it has been a successful move. Now, hopefully they can find some success on the field as well. So why weren't those barriers removed prior to Coach Prime coming? Or the, the, the realization that these are, these are roadblocks to us being a good football team. Mm-hmm. Why did it take the arrival of Coach Prime to unlock those, you know, that reality? Uh, unfortunately for uh, Carl Durrell, the coach before Coach Prime, he did not bring the eyeballs and attention. So the the fact that you know uh, he he was Coach Prime comes in with a certain salary demand, and Coach Prime, uh, Coach Durrell's contract wasn't anywhere near that. Um, there's a reason why you go after big name hires to generate excitement for your program because that increases season ticket sales. That increases the amount of times you're on TV, increases all that stuff. It it basically brings in more money. So a great coach is worth the money. The hundred plus million that Alabama has paid Nick Saban over the last, I don't know, uh, seven or eight years has certainly been worth it to Alabama. They've brought in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So if you bring in the right coach, he brings success on the field, or he brings enough eyeballs, he brings in the money. Therefore, his salary is worth it. Uh, the regents and the athletic program did not see previous CU coaches as worth the headache and hassle to go through those changes necessary. They anointed him the king. Yeah. CU said, hey, Prime, we want you, and we will give you whatever it takes to get you here. And when you anoint somebody the king, you don't just do that and say, let's forget about it at that point. Right, you know you got to pay them. You know you got to be all in. So CU did something that Dick Monfort wasn't willing to do by anointing Nolan Arnado the king, but not giving Arnado the surrounding pieces. Right? Yeah, we'll pay you, but we won't, you know, do the dot 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 that we're supposed to do in order to really compete. Well, CU said, okay, we're going to pay you, Coach Prime, but also now we're going to change our transfer rules. Also, now we're going to now give you a bigger, you know, pool of money to go get some assistant coaches in here, the guys that you want here, right? We're not going to handcuff you no longer. 
And, you know, so much stuff happens in one year when you make it clear that, yeah, I don't want to be the laughing stock of college football anymore. And, hey, we really do have opportunity of getting somebody. So a lot of change has to happen now. It doesn't just stop with getting Coach Prime. There was a trickle-down effect that a lot of other things had to happen for CU to actually really compete. And they're already reaping the benefits of it. You know, you talk about merchandise sales. You talk about, you know, ESPN saying that we're going to go out there for the spring game and being able to charge for the spring game and selling that thing out, right? So you're already reaping the benefits of it, and you haven't even played it down to football yet. Haven't even played it down to football, a lot of unusual things about this new program. One of them also is that your head coach's son is the quarterback. Shadur Sanders, now I'm not saying that as if he doesn't deserve to be a starting quarterback in the Pac-12. Shadur Sanders, Jackson State's quarterback the last two years, put up some pretty gaudy numbers there. In 2021, he threw 30 touchdowns to only eight interceptions, had over 3,000 yards throwing the ball. And then last year, doubled down on that with an improved season. He had 3,700 yards, 40 touchdowns to only six picks. So obviously this is a capable player. Um, you know, by some accounts, he's a, he's a potential NFL prospect. But if you're on that team and, and your coach's kid is playing quarterback, what are some of the potential pitfalls of that situation, if any? Are there any negatives at all to that? Yeah, I mean, we ran into that with Dan Hawkins and Cody Hawkins not too long ago. It makes it difficult to recruit quarterbacks. It makes it difficult to bring in transfer quarterbacks. That process, because you know, as the other quarterback, that who's going to play? The coach's son is going to play. So it creates a uh, a privileged uh, position or a privileged status on the team that other players can't enjoy. Um, you know, is Sajor the, the best quarterback you could have gotten? Most likely. So I don't think there's much pushback uh, with this move as much as it was for Dan and Cody Hawkins. But it does set an ugly precedent, and, it, and I think it's difficult to unravel that uh, sense of unfairness and keep that out of the locker room. I think the biggest thing is just not being able to recruit another quarterback. Yeah. You know, for me, like, what happens if Shadour goes down? Yep. Right? So you, you need capable backups there, and you need guys who want to come here and play quarterback at CU after Shadour Sanders is gone. Um, all right, guys. So LaFlop, I mean, LeBron James, <laughs> did he tarnish his legacy, guys, at the ESPYs by acting needy? We'll do that next. Denver Sports Station 1043, the fan presents the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Every morning, and then fly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> that's that's more than I got. Yeah, he can that's go on tour and play those two songs. No, he can't. You're not gonna go see a Sugar Ray. No, it has to be part of like a. He's gotta go festival. He's gotta go where there's lots of bands playing. It's gonna be an empty stage. I mean, an empty. Johnny, would you go see Sugar Ray? Probably not. I wouldn't pay to see Sugar Ray. In like a festival setting, like Chad said. Yeah. Would you be like, all geeked out with your homies and you got a couple 20 minutes to spare before the 
EDM group goes on. You're like, let's go check out Sugar Ray. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm Sugar Ray. That's interesting. Let's go check it out. Let's yeah. See what it's about. And then maybe fly. it's fly, fly, maybe fly. it's the best show you've ever seen. It's maybe. one. That's true though. You don't know unless you it's try. one of those shows where like every song they have, nobody knows. And then there's like two song. Everyone's like, yes, and they're dancing and singing along. Two hit wonder, I guess. No, Sugar Ray's. Yeah. From Newport Beach. I didn't know that. Oh, man. That's a little piece of heaven, Newport Beach. It is. It is, man. Yeah. I miss it. I haven't been back. Me and my buddies used to go every year for a week. Um, I've told you guys about this before. It, it turned into a, a competition where a jacket in a, a championship was awarded for the most valuable partier at the, end of, at, at the end of the week. And there are rules for participation. One of them is you can't take a nap. At all. If you take a nap, you're disqualified. Mm-hmm. You have to be there for the whole week as well to be considered for this honor. Some people would come for only four or five days. You're not You're not up for this award. Mm. It's for those who stay for the whole seven. you got kids significant others, you're not winning. No, significant others, you are. You can You can say, honey, I'll be back in a week. Oh. Yeah, my wife's not going for that. <laughs> um, also, you have to go out every night. You can't. You don't stay home one night and just like watch a movie. You have to go out seven straight nights and then... And then you can't take a nap. And then there's some other criteria that I'm not. And that's fun. It's incredible fun because it's a war of attrition. It's a you know every morning (laughs) you feel like crap. There's stuff to do seven straight nights though, like actual stuff to do. Oh yeah, Mm. Newport Beach is an awesome time. There's great bars. No, I've been, but I just I mean oh yeah by like day three of the bar I'm like yeah Yeah. I've been there done it before. Nope. Nope. Loud music doesn't get on your nerves. Just the nope. uh, Okay. Nope. All right. Nope. How many times you've built different? Award, I've won like this is a good, interesting conversation because I've won like three or four jackets. Okay, mm. I've been robbed three or four more times when I deserved it and wow. didn't get it, and the judges gave it to some slappy because he'd never won it before, and they felt bad for him, and they wanted to put him in the wor- winner. Oh, they Joel and Beebed you, huh? Exactly. Oh. Put the work in. Everybody knows, and um, you yeah. know those other guys politicking. I laid it all it. on the line, man. Did the guys say I'm back after they won the award? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an example. On one year, the one of the last years, and I should have won it. It was night six. Okay, I was. We we're at a we we're at a place called the Goat Hill Tavern, which is a, a dive bar in Newport Beach, and it's an awesome place. Um, there's no dancing at Goat Hill Tavern, but we did start dancing, hmm. and there, the floor was pretty slippery. And I was holding a cocktail in my hand, and I slipped. And I landed on top of it with my hand, and my hand broke it. And it sliced a gash in my palm. Really bad one. Mm. Did I go to the hospital? No way. Not you. No. They wrapped it up with a with a dirty bar towel and duct tape. Mm. And I went back on the dance floor. And we went home. The after party came, and I was the last guy asleep. Then I was the first guy up, and I took myself to the hospital, and I got stitched up. And I was back before everyone woke up. And when they woke up, I was sitting out on the porch drinking a cold one. Yeah. With seven stitches in my hand. Yeah, it was fourth and inches, dude. And I didn't of win course. it. I didn't win it. Of Epic course. Tales of party. Yeah, it's, it's the last night, too. That happened on night six. I had my hospital bracelet on on the last night. Yeah. Man. As you can tell, it still gets me. Dude, you remember the bar. You remember the city. Do you know how many people were in the club that night? Or the bar that night? There were 79. No, it was about 52. It was a Thursday night, I think. All right. Um, LeBron. So, LeBron spoke at the ESPYs, and everyone has having something to say about it. He was a little bit of a diva. Here he is at the ESPYs. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is,
can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Lucky <laughs> for you guys. Okay. So before we hear from uh, from Dan Patrick, did you guys have a problem with those comments? Yes. Why are you announcing that you're coming back to basketball? You've been playing this. This is now going to be your 21, 21st season in the league. I, I don't know why there needs to be a, an announcement. You just go about the offseason like you do normally. Right. Chad? Uh, I just think, you know, it's another one of those LeBron not reading the room kind of things, just like with the taking this town to South Beach, uh, just like uh, after the Nuggets swept the Lakers. It's another thing where, you know, LeBron's looking to – I think as an athlete, you get addicted to the attention. And when you're an athlete, you have the stature of LeBron. Uh, I have to imagine it's even more powerful. And so the, the need to be not just people approaching you on the street, but to be the conversation. When you open up your phone, you open up Twitter, and you go to the sports tab, then you're number one there. When you log on to ESPN the next day, that you're number one there. There's, there's a certain desire and thirst for that that I think uh, propels these kind of moments. Well, here is Dan Patrick saying what everyone was thinking about LeBron's phony retirement. I wasn't waiting for an announcement. I got one, and then ESPN's treating it like it's breaking news. And I went, you know what's breaking news? If he retired. Not that he's coming back. Who thought that he might retire? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I, it, it, just, oh, it just is needy. And you don't need it. I want publicity. Don't forget about me. I don't want to cheat the game. Like it, just play, just play. You're one of the greatest of all time. It's almost like you know we're looking at him like he's an underdog story. Like he's doing it again. That's incredible. He might play for another five years. Isn't it? Isn't it an underdog story though? When Father Time is nipping at your heels, and you just did mention it. Twenty-one years. Isn't it a story that he's coming back? Who cares? No, because it's a self-created story because you put the retirement rumor out there after the Nuggets swept you in the, in the playoffs. So this it, is a self-created thing. There was no question. You're the one who put the question out there. You're the one who planted that. And now you're going to try to, you know, make it go away with this announcement. I, I, I dig LeBron's career, but these kind of calculated moments that end up being missteps, and unfortunately, there's a reason why folks a certain significant portion of the sporting world dislikes LeBron, and I think they point to moments just like these. Do you think moments like these? Go ahead. You know, like, uh, Father Time is absolutely real, right? I mean, I think we have all felt it at a, at a certain time, but watching LeBron in the postseason, did I think that his legs, did it, that he not didn't have his legs underneath him? Yeah. But I think that it was the grueling course of a season and coming back from an injury and putting in countless hours into getting back right so you could be there for the postseason. I didn't think that LeBron had lost a step. What I saw there didn't have me thinking, like, did he lose a step? And when you start losing a step, yes, you start questioning, do you still play this game? Because can you give it the, your absolute all or are you treating the game? So I think it created a narrative that wasn't really never out there with just his comments. Do you think LeBron has to win another championship to be considered better than Michael Jordan? I don't think LeBron is ever going to be considered better than Michael Jordan in my book because I just look at Michael at a time where it was just done differently. I look at 
you know, LeBron's career, he has 20 sheets in this game. But year five, he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And then Chris Bosh said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach as well. And then guys were like, yeah, I'm going to take less money to go play with those guys. And then, so LeBron has had 16 years of basketball where he's had opportunities to create a super team. 16 years of basketball where you've had those opportunities, but yet you only have four championships, four finals. So I I look at LeBron as, I mean, I say only four, but at the same time, like, You've had a unique opportunity to create something every single year, and you've only been able to get get through a quarter of the time. So for, that's why he'll never be like surpass Michael in my book. Mm. Can he surpass Michael in your book, Chad? Uh no, uh, not in my book. I can understand why others would make that argument. I just I, I don't. Uh, Michael's the ultimate basketball assassin for me. Uh, could someone do it one day? I suppose they could, but you know, just from a championship level. Six versus four. I know how that math works. Who was winning a one-on-one basketball game, LeBron or Michael Jordan, in his prime? Hmm? Huh? We'll do that next. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Frank, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. And her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets you know this band, Chadwick? Mass Brown. This there is my song. Go. Oh, you, oh, you put this out there? Yeah. Uh, San Jose. This guy's, these guys are from San Jose. Just like Aaron Gordon. Just like, just like Joey Chestnut. Uh, just like me. My son, so my son used to call this uh, Shrek, uh, Shrek rap, rap song. Oh, okay. But that, that Shrek rap song. I watched song, Shrek guy. yesterday in my household with my five-year-old. Nice. Shrek's a classic. Yeah, man. with Shrek on it. Eddie Murphy's great. The donkey. Never yeah. seen it. What? Never I, seen. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. I've never sat down and watched Shrek start. What? Uh, it's gonna happen. What you have, John? Your son's three yeah, right of now. Course. So, yeah, it's like a staple happen. movie of my childhood. <laughs> that explains a lot. What do you mean by that, Nate? I was getting Smash Mouth very, very Sugar Ray esque as a band because yeah. they have got they've got like two or three songs as well. And uh, apparently this dude is like a real ornery dude. Like, he's like a kind of like a, a jerk. Oh. Yeah. And he gets super mad, like, at his shows. And people just want to hear these two songs. He's like, he gets mad when they want to hear these songs. We made other music. Yeah. Let me play the crap you guys don't like. <laughs> well, it has been a fun Guilty Pleasure Friday. The music's been great, guys. Uh, I was just stro- scrolling um, a Twitter feed. 247 Sports. This was retweeted by our very own Matt Smith, who's very active on Twitter. Matt is with one T. Yeah, um, Matt is. I wish like I could be that active. Yeah, Twitter. But he said, but this this tweet tweet says, never forget when Samaje P Ryan broke the FBS record for rushing yards in a game as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Thirty four carries, four hundred twenty seven yards, five touchdowns for Samaje P Ryan. So this guy is used to being the bell cow back. He does know what that feels like. Yeah, he's done it before. This is what this is what I said. I think this is a great pickup. This is a guy who has carried the load, not much in his career, so he gets a chance to come in with that experience, but not worn out from an NFL level of having too many carries. So if Javante Williams is not ready to roll week one, Samaji Piran is going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that Samaji has been more of a bell cow than Javante, 
right? Javante still split carries with that Carter guy when he was in North Carolina. They came out at the same time. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but, um, this just helps Maji Piran being able to, you know, create that longevity, save his body where the running back position, we see the, when that, when that body goes, it goes fast. Yeah. That's Ezekiel Elliott about that thing, right? Yeah. So he's still on the streets, huh? Yep. Still on those streets. Streets cold, though. Wow. What about those guys that are on the streets? You, you, like, uh, what's it? DeAndre Hopkins still doesn't have a team. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, right? Mm-hmm. Still doesn't have a team. Are these guys? Dalton Reiser. Dalton Reiser. Are these guys going to find a home and be productive in 2023, especially these skill position guys? I think Dalton Reisner, you know, maybe an, an easier path. Well, you tell me, is it an easier path to just fall in as an offensive lineman to an already existing unit who just needs a, a piece? No, um, I think Dalton right now, the writing's kind of on, on the wall that you're going to be a backup unless there's a catastrophic injury, right? And we see it every year, right? Somebody dislocates a, a kneecap or somebody, you know, um, breaks the fibula and, and now they are just done for the year. So you're looking out on those streets and if you could go get a quality guy that is starting a lot and still pretty young, you know, Dalton's your guy. He's going to get a one-year deal at some point. But he's going to be behind the learning curve because he's missed so many snaps. You want that continuity. You want your offensive line taking the same snaps and thinking alike and, and being together from OTA start and and all the way till the season and, and you know moving forward. So these guys are going to get jobs. Like DeAndre Hopkins, he's not going to sit out of football. Um, I think uh, Dalvin Cook already has had a couple offers, if my if I'm not mistaken, but he just hasn't got the offer that he likes yet. So let me put this guy to you guys. If Javante Williams suffers a setback, and, and and let's say he tries to push it into training camp, and <laughs> nope, it ain't ready. In fact, we're going to shut you down for a couple months here. Would it be worth kicking the tires on Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott, bringing one of those guys in? I think you would have to at least have that conversation. It all depends on you know how the rest of the, the backfield is performing. You know, I think, and you know, you've had some pushback on this, but I think. This version of Broncos offense this year is going to be not, you know, we're not going back to Nebraska and Oklahoma, but there will be a greater emphasis on the run to try to set up good things and within the play action game and deep balls for Russell Wilson. So that process, you need bodies to be able to do that. So if Javante Williams can't go, Samaji P. Ryan, does Tony Jones Jr. have enough? Does Tyler Batty have enough? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say probably not. So if Javante Williams is out for an extended period of time, I would imagine they would be forced to kick the tires, tires on Dalvin Cook, although I think he'll be snatched up before training camp gets rolling. Mm-hmm. If Javon- Go ahead. Um, so it's Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and um, who's the other guy again uh, from, uh, from uh, Cleveland that was with the Chiefs oh, yeah. back in the day? Kareem, Kareem Hunt, right? Yeah. I'd like to see Kareem Hunt here. Mm. I would love to see him here, but I just don't know that the Broncos have enough money right now when you start looking at some of these running backs. But later on, people get more and more desperate, and they might be in a position where they could do a one-year deal with one of these backs and create a lot of incentives to incentives to get that running back to sign on. Javante, go ahead. Leonard Fournette's still out there. Mark Ingram says he's out there, but he's, he took a job, uh, I think it's on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rex Burkhead, if you want to go that route. Don't want to go that route. Okay, yeah. So there's there's Royce Freeman. You can bring him back for uh, the second tour. Okay. Yeah. okay. There's, there's guys, there's lots of running backs who are available, and most of these guys will get an opportunity someplace, somewhere along the way, just because running backs get banged up. So Javante Williams apparently on track 
to be able to start training camp. Do you guys want to see him in preseason games at all? I mean, especially considering what we're talking about, the, the philo- philosophical shift on this team, probably going to favor the running game. If Javante ain't ready to go, you need to know that. Do you want to see him in preseason games? I think everybody should get preseason action. That's just my thought because I know I, I, I needed that preseason action to be ready to start the regular season. Um, and a running back who doesn't have some of the complexities to deal with, I suppose there could be an argument for a guy with an injury history like him. Um, but I think you still want to test that thing at some point before the season gets going. So whether it's one of these uh, scrimmage situations with another team, whether it's a preseason game, I would need, if I was Sean Payton, to get him some kind of full contact reps. Yeah, and, and that's all it is, right? I mean, can you mimic that? I doubt you're going to mimic that with another team just because you're afraid of you know, guys taking it too far. And, you know, when guys are getting, you're not really getting fined like you're getting fined in the course of a game. So now you look at, if you're Sean Payton, do you feel comfortable enough to have some full speed live tackling drills? And, you know, we're going to ramp it up 11 on 11 during the course of training camp. And if you could test him out that way, no, I don't need to see him in preseason games. But if you can't test it out that way or you don't believe in doing that, if you're Sean Payton going 11 on 11 full speed tackle, now, yes, I would like to see him in the game to just for him, for the mental block and for him to get over it and and go into week one feeling like, yeah, I've done this before. I know how it feels to get tackled. I remember when we got Peyton in 2012, everybody was stressed out on that offensive line. Don't want to be the first person to give up that sack. Don't know if that neck is going to hold up, if he's going to be able to bounce back up or not. So you you want to be able to get through that mental block for sure. Yeah, a couple series maybe just to, to, like you said, get used to the game action and not go into week one. Ball security as well. Ball security is very important. Um, all right, so I know you guys were feeling something in the last couple minutes, like something's been missing from this show. Never fear. Hit it. Yeah. You thought we forgot, didn't you? Didn't you? Now, we're not going to have time to go take a deep dive into number 89, but it is Billy Ocean Day 289. I'll tell you one number 89 for the Denver Broncos who wore it for two years before selling it for $15,000. To Daniel Graham, yours truly. Nice. Two years 89. Steve Smith, Frank Wycheck, Mark Romaro. Steve Smith is. Yes. You'd be amazed at his numbers, man. Uh, they're awesome. Yeah. Mark Bavaro. Brian Blade, my teammate in Seattle. Santana Moss. There's some good ones out there. Santana, man. Wow. What about Broncos, 89? Uh, think of what we got. Text line. Help us out. Well, help out the next fellas. And it's. It's not the guys you're used to. I know you're used to hearing Stokely and Zach, uh, but it's Matt Smith and it's Kyle Reese. That's it for us on the Players Club. Stick around for Matt. Dave Kyle. Logan. Dave Logan, number 89. Dwayne Carswell. House. Ah, the house. And Nate Jackson. And Daniel Graham. White House. Yes. <laughs> That's it for us on the Players Club. Stick around. Matt and Kyle. They're next. And she sticks in the room.